This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs of Cheese podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. Unfortunately, the season has ended for the Packers, but what a season it was. We're going to dive into it. Obviously, we'll talk about the divisional round loss to the 49ers and then some overarching takeaways from the season because what a season it has been. And we'll dive into a ton of it more now that the offseason has officially begun. But lots to talk about here still in this game. So, Perry how are you doing now that we've kind of had a couple days to digest this one? I feel the same as I did immediately after the game, which I don't know what that says about me. Maybe I'm a well-adjusted human. I don't know. Which is um, a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean, look, my my takeaway from the game is kind of how I went into the game feeling, which is that, look, of course I wanted to win this game. But, like, let me just put that out there first before I share my feelings and my thoughts. But Obviously, I wanted to win this game. Obviously, I went in fully believing that this team could win this game. I wanted them to take it to the 49ers more than anything. And quite frankly, they did. Like, I wanted this game to be competitive. I believed that it would be. If you watched our preview show, like, we all, you, myself, and Dusty, felt like this team, in the way that they've been playing, would be competitive. Which, if you look at this season... The fact that a seventh seed could go in away on the road and be competitive with the one seed is the most incredible statement. And they were. I think 
I understand why fans feel stung by a loss because they were in it. Not just were they in it, but they had a lead for a large portion of this game and they had the opportunity to, you know, come down in that final drive and get points and really take this game away from the 49ers. And I understand why that this loss feels difficult to swallow. Like I understand why fans and of course, you know, the team and and Matt Fleur today said, you know, I wish I was preparing for Detroit. I don't feel upset though. And I don't know, maybe that's something about me, but for me, the fact that they went blow for blow with the one seed, like this team in this season went blow for blow with the one seed. That to me is such a win. Like in future seasons, that won't be a win. In future seasons now, the expectation is walking out of Santa Clara winning, walking out of Santa Clara and going to the NFC Championship game. But in this season, like the stakes were not there and they so far and away exceeded what we ever thought that they would do. Um, And I said it before the game, like the floor is so much higher than we ever thought it would be in 2023. And now the ceiling is Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are now fully in the conversation of this can and should be a championship caliber team in 2024 and beyond. And I think we're going to get into all of that later in this episode. So I went away from this game being like, damn, they really had it. They really, really had it. And that sucks that they couldn't, you know, tie the bow on it. And there's going to be a lot of really awesome takeaways and learning moments from this game, especially for the offense and Jordan Love. But how freaking awesome is it that it was even that close? Three points. The spread was 10 and a half. And they lost by three points. So I find it hard to be genuinely upset. Yeah. And, you know, if anybody listened to Pack a Day already, some of these thoughts I kind of shared on there as well. But reiterating it here, it's such a different feeling when you end this season. And you and I kind of talked about it in the DMs. We kind of talked about it a little bit even before the game. But there isn't a sense of finality after this season ends like there has been in almost every Packer game we've watched in the entire Aaron Rodgers era. Every season when it ended, and sometimes it ended really abruptly, you know, and there were heartbreakers, you always wondered, like, you have a quarterback who's been toying with retirement. There was this urgency. Randall Cobb deserves a ring. David Bakhtiari deserves a ring. Like, it, the tension kind of builds each season, and the expectation is always to go all the way. And you have the narratives, of course, like Aaron Rodgers deserves a second Super Bowl ring, and all these things just kind of spiral. Brett Favre at least went to, won the one, and there's the championship expectations that come with the Packers franchise. For better or worse, they're there. It's a winning culture. It's title town for a reason. And after the game ended it didn't feel the same as it had always felt with Aaron Rodgers, where it felt like the window was slowly shutting. You know, this felt like Jordan Love and the rest of the offense had fully propped the window open. And the example that I gave on Pack-A-Day was, I would imagine this is how Texans fans feel. Like, you go into that, and as, as much as it stings in the moment, to be able to be rewarded by and see what this roster, the potential that it can be in a year that you didn't expect it to be this good... And you said it now, like the expectation probably is Super Bowl next season. And Matt LaFleur said it to the players, like, 
you don't get the youth excuse anymore. There's no, we're a young team. Like we went to the divisional round of the playoffs in a year that everybody counted us out. So now it truly matters more, you know, where we go from here. So as much as it stung in the moment, because like you said, there were so many missed opportunities. And if any one of those things changes, you're potentially talking about a different game, a different outcome. The window is so wide open. And even when you talk about like previous Aaron Rodgers years, it was like, okay, well, the entire this side of the ball is free agents. You don't even have really those conversations. This team at its core is coming back together. So it's just such a kind of refreshing feeling to say, hey, they they get another couple cracks at this thing. There isn't the overarching sense of was this the last shot? Yeah. And that's why I find it really hard to compare this loss to any other losses like we said it before the season started. We're really turning the page. It's an entirely new team. It's a new quarterback. It's a new regime, really. Like it's a fresh start. It's a blank slate. And this team got to kind of set the foundation and figure out what does this new core look like? Is this the quarterback of the future? Who of these wide receivers and tight ends are going to be? with us right through this new run if any turns out all of them because <laughs> they're <laughs> all great in their own right you know it was quote we're going to use the e-word once again in the final final episode of the e-word right <laughs> we're going to evaluate you all and the evaluation year this quote-unquote rebuild year they set the bar so high for themselves, right? All of a sudden the bar now is not just playoffs. The bar is championship. Like they've proven that this foundation that they've set, this core that you mentioned is playoff or championship caliber. Like they are, they are at that level. They are contender worthy. And Matt LaFleur said today, you know, nothing is guaranteed in this league and he's absolutely correct. And you are going to have to go back and get better because now you're going to go into next season and you're going to have tape that people are going to watch. And now people are going to be watching out for you. And it's much different when there are expectations on your shoulders to go into Santa Clara and we can probably dive into this a little bit now, but really, I mean, the 49ers defense, as we went through ad nauseum, I think in our preview show is easily the best defense that this team has gone up against. And you saw it over and over and over again in this game. Like Fred Warner was all over the place. Drake Greenlaw ended up, you know, ending the game with his second interception of the game And their corners did what you outlined perfectly, which was really press our wide receivers. And I thought Matt still had a great game plan, but ultimately for me, and we can dive into the number of different things I think that went wrong a little bit for the Packers in this game. But what ultimately was, I think their downfall was they couldn't convert into seven in those early drives right? Like they three is not going to get you a win against the 49ers. And they had a number of different red zone trips in the first half that stalled into three or zero because of a, what should have been a fourth down conversion that was not because of the zebras. So, you know, 
in what has been kind of a juggernaut offense that has been able to put up points against teams the last few weeks. And granted, you know, against defenses that the Cowboys are, are a good defense. I mean, what they did against the Cowboys is unmatched, but you look at Bears, Vikings, you know, the 49ers, they held up their end of the bargain. Like they came as advertised and they did what they did. And ultimately, I think it was the red zone failures, if you will, um, in my personal opinion, that led to this loss. Because if you turn any one of those three trips into seven, you're looking at a very different game right off the bat. Um, you're potentially playing with a lead, which leads to your defense playing differently, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can talk about butterfly effect all you want, but I think it's fair to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think there's more illustrations in this one, too, of the importance of like Aaron Jones. You know, there was a lot of talk this season. Can he stay healthy? What does that look like? What's the running back room look like next season? Like Aaron Jones is a Packer for life. And I don't know how you can dispute that at this point. Once again, over 100 yards, six yards per carry, like just a phenomenal asset to any football team and such a needed presence. And not to like completely derail this, but I thought it was so cool after the game in his post-game presser when he basically called this like the most fun, like the best team he's been around because he's been on some damn good ones. And I, I don't think it was to discredit any of the other rosters he's been a part of, but you could just tell how special this roster was this season. And I think that's why it's so exciting that it's largely going to stay the same. Like John Runnan Jr., you know, getting teary-eyed at his locker, talking about how special it was and what it means to wear the G and a lot of these guys saying like, hey, we like we realize what we're building here and we'll be back. And I don't like it's not a shot at Rogers by any means, but it's it was just really interesting after the game, I think, to to hear Jordan Love just immediately say, like, we are so hungry, you know, because it felt like the last couple seasons the it would end and it would be like, well, what's next? And you never knew. It was like, well, we don't know what the roster is going to look like. And there's always turnover for Jordan Love to basically get up there and say, like, we're already hitting the playbook. Like we're already in off season mode, like ready to train for next season. Like it just kind of shows you like how motivated this young core is that we're not going to call young next season, but truly they are. And I thought, you know, guys largely stepped up in big moments and we had said, even with dusty, right. That like, this felt like a lot of things were going to have to go right for the Packers to be in it. And things didn't go right. Like a lot of things went against them and they were still resilient enough to hang on until the very end. And I think that is kind of the makeup that we've been seeing or maybe even that we've been missing from this team that really showed itself in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think that the run game looked as easy as it had been the last few weeks. And yet Aaron Jones still managed to get over 100 yards which says so much about him. Um, and granted, I think a large chunk of that was that big run he had. 53. The yeah. You know, um, I mean, he was, he grinded those yards out for this team, which is something that he can do, right. He can get the easy yards. He can see the field and he can grind out those yards. And I, I think they also, they rotated him a bit more with Emmanuel Wilson, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know if they felt like, because he had such a big game against Dallas, they felt like they needed a bit more of a rotation or not. But every time I saw Emmanuel Wilson and I was like, please no, I want Aaron <laughs> Jones because Aaron Jones will get three to four more yards than any other back. 
that plays. Um, it was funny when I when he ripped off that 53 yarder, I was like, that might that might be game. And then mm-hmm. Anders missed the the field goal, but we will get there. Um no, I mean I agree with you. I think the grit and the ability to punch back mm-hmm. is A, not something we've seen in past teams under Matt LaFleur, and it's something you and I have discussed ad nauseum, actually, about him as a coach. So I think we can put that question to bed, quite frankly. Um, cause he's proven with this team that that's not really an issue and B it was really important in this game, really important in this game. I think it, it swung back and forth, what, four or five times the lead changed. And every time the 49ers came back, the Packers punched back, maybe it didn't work. Right. But I thought it was a very evenly matched game. Um, whether it was, you know, one side would get a little assistance, the other side would get a little assistance, you know, it, it ultimately, I think came down to red zone and to the turnover battle, you know, and, and we can, unless you have additional things to add on, on the offensive side of the ball, I think, you know, Jordan, unfortunately through two, um, I don't put too much, look, the second one is something that he is just going to have to learn not to do. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's going to be a long-term problem. Like I fully put that on. He just wanted to make something happen. Um, I also think when you maybe don't trust your kicker and you're playing for seven instead of three in that moment might change the way you're play calling. Matt Lafleur will never, like no one will ever know. It's just mm-hmm. a hunch. It's, it's just me questioning. Um, but you know, they had plenty of time. They had two timeouts, throw it away, right? Co- you can coach that out of someone. Um, I had a feeling that he would have an interception in this game. I hate right. that I was wrong, um, or I hate that I was right, you know, like, but this is a ball hawking team. Purdy gave this Packers defense multiple opportunities to take the ball away, multiple. This could have been an even um, split in the turnover battle and it wasn't right. So this is again, like playmakers make plays change the game and the Packers defense couldn't do it either. So you can be upset that the Packers, you know, can't, didn't come away with this one, but you know, they had, they, there were, there were missed opportunities that they could have capitalized on. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of to go back to your point really quickly about Jordan love, I, I absolutely think that that's one of those things that, you know, you live to see another down. And, you know, I agree with you that there's a lot of pressure. And Matt LaFleur had said, like, we don't want to put our quarterback in that situation where he feels like he has to be too big for the moment and go make magic happen. But that's where he was at. They missed the kick. You know, it kind of fell onto his shoulders, whether they wanted that to or not at that point. And I'm not at all comparing talent, comparing Jordan Love to any quarterbacks, you know, across the league. But Josh Allen had some, you know, bad balls. And I mean, like these things happen when you're competitive, when you're a quarterback and the game is on the line, you don't always think like, Hey, I should take the check down. Hey, I should throw this one away because you have to, you know, he's like, Hey, I've got 30 seconds until my playoff chances are dead. And I th- like Baker Mayfield too threw a pick at the very last second against the lions. And I think in those moments, the competitor and you just, you don't always necessarily think rationally. And it's something that we saw from Aaron Rodgers. God knows we saw it from Brett Favre. So like, I think it just is part of the game, but yeah. um, 
Yeah. Going to the the defensive side of the ball, I think one of the things that really confuses me about this, and I'm sure this will kind of dive into the Joe Barry conversation, is just when we when there's a need for pressure and when there's this like soft dink and dunk. Like it doesn't ever seem like there's like a calculated reasoning for it. I thought the pressure was getting home. I thought it was making a lot of sense. They were sending some really creative, like four man, five man stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, now we're going to play off. I just like, I don't get it. I agree with you. <laughs> I thought the front looked great. They were really getting to Purdy. Um, obviously, you know, that first touchdown to Kittle, they sent a blitz. It didn't work. Yeah. He beat the blitz. You know, what are you going to do? Like the other team gets paid too, kind of moment. And you're like, all right. You know, this is again, like this was a very evenly matched game in my opinion. And that's just going to happen. I, thought the like again the pressure got to him the Packers had multiple opportunities to pick him off he had a lot a lot of missed throws I mean multiple I could I could name many in my mind all he really needed was a handful of good ones but then you're correct they went third and soft and it it's the same story it's the same story and then towards the end of the game you know, I felt like they couldn't decide whether to let them score or not let them score and wasting time. And they didn't use any of their timeouts on that, that last touchdown drive that Christian McCaffrey ended up getting into the end zone. And I, I look again, like Jordan Love and the offense had plenty of time. It was a little over a minute timeouts, et cetera, but who, you know, if you're going to let them score, just let them score. Give Jordan Love three minutes. You know, I, I just, the, it's you're correct in that like the decision making and again we're not in the building who knows I'm not a coach but like to the naked eye and to two people who have watched a lot of football it's it's hard to comprehend the decision making in those moments especially when it's been three years of very similar decision making like game on the line play calling has always felt this way it's felt very soft and it was similar in that, like, the Packers finally take the lead and immediately the next drive, the 49ers score a touchdown and take the lead back. And it's like, again, we're watching kind of the same story play out. And it's not to take away from the fact that I thought they really held up, but the 49ers also lost Debo, right? They, yeah. they had to contend with one less playmaker on the side of the ball. I have no idea what this game would have looked like, right? If they they had had all three of their major playmakers for, I should say, with Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, and Debo. So yeah, it's uh I don't know what's gonna happen with Barry. We all know how I feel about it. It ha- <laughs> did not change it. Not nothing about this postseason run changed the way I feel about moving on from Barry. Um because it's a three year body of work. But I think, too, like one of the things that is, you know, a head scratcher. And like you said, we're not in the building. We're not on the sideline. We don't understand, you know, what is going into this decision making. But like, I would at least think in some of these moments, like your season is literally going to end. At There's a point where you're not like live to fight another down, live to make it to next week healthy. Like your season is going to end that should be, and you might lose your job, you know, like you would think like, this is the time I need to be my most aggressive, my most creative. And you said like, 
you send a blitz and they beat it. Okay. But at least you did something to try and force a spark, force a turnover, force an errant throw. I just don't understand that decision making when you're repeatedly doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. And I mean, obviously, like, I understand that people in the comments are going to say, well, Joe Barry didn't drop the interception. Like, I get all of that. He didn't. Yeah. Like, and that that is something that you look at with the players that are on the field. But largely, if the defensive coordinator position becomes available, it's a desirable job. Like, your front is only ascending. You've got an all-pro corner. You might need a couple more pieces in your secondary I think we saw that you need a little bit more athleticism at inside linebacker, especially when you look at like a Christian Wilson from the Texans and how he performed against Lamar. Like we've seen this trajectory and, you know, Joe Barry can work with the pieces that he's got. He's an inside linebackers coach, but the fact that there's so much talent on the roster and it just sometimes feels like they're not being utilized to their full potential. Like I just want to see some, a little more aggression out of that side of the ball, because I think we saw so many times where the offense just continued to ascend the entire season and the defense would have like peaks and valleys and it was just so inconsistent. And if you could just get a little more consistency out of that side of the ball, it was the difference. It would have been the difference on Saturday. Yeah. Evergreen. I mean, evergreen, everything that you're saying. Yeah. Um, And it's not to say that I thought they played poorly. I did not think that they played poorly. I mean, Mm -hmm. keeping this 49ers offense to 24 points, like, is is a good day at the office um and again like i you know savage makes that pick we're talking about a very different game anders makes that kick we're we're talking about a very different game the the packers score a touchdown in one of those first red zone trip you know we can go on yeah. and on right but again it's it's more of a taking more of a 10 foot look view at the way that this defense plays, nothing's changed. Um, And as you and I discussed at the top of the show, we believe that this team's aspirations already for next season and beyond is championship. Yeah. As as it should be. As it should be. be. However, I don't believe that this defense is good enough to take them there. And I don't believe their coordinator is good enough to coach them to that level. So if you're Matt LaFleur, if I'm Matt LaFleur this offseason, like that's the question I'm asking myself is, is my defense where my offense is? The answer is no. Is my coordinator going to get my defense to where my offense is? Can this defense carry us to that, that place? The answer is no. So a change needs to come because all of the amazing work that has been done on the offensive side of the ball is not going to matter if the defense loses them key games. And I'm not, I'm not saying the defense lost them this game. That's not my point. I'm saying holistically, that's why I would make the move. Um, And I, I don't want to belabor this. You know, we've talked about it a little bit already in previous shows, but I think it has to, and I, I genuinely hate this. I hope people listening know that we don't like love calling for people to get fired. Like, Joe you know, seems like, like a great dude. Like, he, I would love to get a beer with Joe. Remember when we were at training camp and we saw him biking in his tracksuit? Like, yeah. Joe's a like he seems like a, a pretty dope guy. But I feel like part of the problem with the defensive side of the ball has been internally the entire coaching staff. Like, 
one, I think that's why they didn't make a, a call sooner in the season, but you let go of Mike Patton and you retained all of his position coaches. So I think if there's truly going to be like a holistic change to the defense, it probably has to come from everywhere. I love Montgomery. I love a lot of these position coaches. I think they're fantastic, but I don't know if you can just change the coordinator and keep all the same position coaches and expect different results. We saw it happen now for Matt LaFleur's entire tenure. He had Mike Pettin. He kept the pieces. He had Joe Barry come in, kept the pieces, Mm -hmm. and it's still largely the same product. So I think, unfortunately, there just has to be more than a defensive coordinator change. A hundred percent. And obviously, you know, this is all speculation. We will hopefully know within next few weeks, maybe by the next episode we record what the deal is, but you would think that if and when they bring in somebody new, that person will make the determination on who, if anybody they keep, you know, beneath them when it comes to position coaches. Um, before we wrap, I know we're going to take like a, you know, more of a season look back, you know, in our next episode, but I do want to talk about how we're feeling, you know, after this game, as the season has ended on this game, on this note, um, we've sprinkled it in here. So I can imagine those listening know how we feel, but where are you at right now? Um, it's we're recording this Monday evening. So we have, we've had a few days, but how are you feeling on this season end? I, I said this on pack a day and I joked that I'm just sad it's over because I'm so excited for next season to begin. Like kind of not to like reiterate what I was trying to say earlier, but you never kind of knew what the roster was going to look like. You know, we had the song and dance of who the quarterback was going to be trotting out into the season and, to know who the quarterback is, hopefully for the next like, you know, 10, 15 seasons to know who basically all of your skill positions are barring potentially like a running back or something. It's so exciting. You're getting a couple pieces. Like I am looking forward to digging into the draft because I feel like, you know, there's just a, just a couple pieces away and it's like a retooling and the Packers will have a little money to work with in case they want to look at some free agents. But like, the status of the roster as a whole feels more in the moment and it doesn't feel like there's nearly as much turnover as there had been. So I think I like, I'm proud of this team. We had said, yeah, we think they're going to go 10 and seven, but I don't think any of us would have said they're like a drive away from the championship game. So to be that close and to see Jordan love get his opportunity and make the most of it after what was a tumultuous start to the season with the offensive line and not being able to run the ball, like, there is so much upside that I just now I'm going to be impatiently waiting for September to roll around. I know. I feel the same way. I think what I'm most sad about, not so much about the loss of this game, but I'm just sad the season's over. I, I just really, really enjoyed watching this team play yeah. football. Um, really enjoyed watching the development. Like really enjoyed like each step of the way, them getting incrementally better until they exploded on the scene mm-hmm. with this really fun fun creative um collaborative offense they seem to all really love playing for each other they're so un they're so unselfish selfless is the word i'm looking for <laughs> unselfish there's a real word for that selfless um 
I can't wait to see them all healthy together for a, yep. an actual stretch of <laughs> hopefully longer than <laughs> a, a game or two. Um, there's just a lot to love. And uh-huh. uh, I, I was actually no pun intended. And, you know, there were a lot of question marks going into the season, a lot of unknowns that we've gone over. I don't think I need to reiterate them. And we've gotten answers. Yeah. We've gotten all of our answers, really. I think the only unanswered question at this point is who's going to lead this defense going into next season. I mean, that's really the only unanswered question. Um, You know, there's a few position groups that I think need to be beefed up. Yep. Linebacker, safety, running back. But this team has an unbelievably solid foundation that if you had told me week one, I'd feel this, I'd be like, wow, sign me up for that. <laughs> um, so I'll leave it on. I again, feel the same way as you. I'm really proud of this team. I, it's, this was one of my most enjoyable seasons I can remember in recent memory. I mean, I really just had so much fun and I am all in on Jordan. I, I can't, I just, I'm at a loss for words a little bit on how the Packers did it again. (laughs) Like I, I really am. I, I think if you are a team that has trouble scouting QB talent and developing QB talent, like you need to take a look at what the Packers are doing because there is some secret magic sauce happening in Green Bay, Wisconsin, when it comes to quarterback talent. And, you know, Tom Clemens got his shout out from Matt LaFleur today. Well-deserved, obviously. Um, But Jordan deserves so much credit because he sat for three years he waited. He obviously has the demeanor and the poise and the all the intangibles that make you ready to lead one of only 32 NFL franchises in the NFL. And I'm so glad that it's for the team that I root for because I think he is a bright young star. And I really am with you. I can't wait for 2024. I wish it was September already. Um, I can't wait for training camp. I'm just, I'm so excited about this team. And it's going to be different rooting for a team with expectations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's going to be really different. Um, but I think they're going to be even better. I think there's going to be a big like sophomore year jump for this team. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I don't think the sophomore slump is gonna gonna hit twelve sixty five. I think there's there's so much room for growth. I think we'll get a thousand yard receiver next season, but we will of course have all of our predictions for the season in yeah. the off season because we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, we'll be back later this week, obviously looking at the championship matchups. Um, however, your rooting interest, we're not gonna get into that because we don't want to. Twitter's doing enough of that. So thank you as always for listening to the show. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. Please make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on YouTube if you don't already. And thank you as always, if you listen to the audio format for downloading the show and subscribing there, we appreciate that as well. Such a fun season, such a fun time with all of you, especially on YouTube, new to us, but we've really loved being in the video space. So thank you for joining us, hoping to do more live shows, have a ton of content coming your way this off season. 
and sad it's over, but so excited for what's to come because we have expectations and that is scary, but pressure makes diamonds. And I think the 2024 Packers team is going to be full of some of those. So thank you as always for listening to the show and go Pack Go.